feel kind of like God. <laughs> and then this man with the devil on his hand came and took the hat. Free Britney. Free Britney. Out in the streets, they burn in urban. That's right, Burnin' Urban is back, and I am still your host, Nick Nobody Savage. At least the last time I checked, I was, you know. Could have changed since then, but I hope not. I hope that you enjoyed the hair-raising tale of the bunny man. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'll stop. Anyways, today the Urban Will Be Burnin' first popped up in early 2004 on the auction shopping site eBay. I know, definitely some strange sounding origins for an urban legend. But hey, that's where we're at. Before we get into it though, I want to tell you what I'm actually burning. And let you know that there was a bit of a small... discrepancy in uh, <coughs> last the last burning urban <coughs> especially as it pertains to this episode so uh just you know it's a bit of a goof on my behalf or on my part and if you can figure out what it is and send it to feedback at dabtodeath.com then the first person uh, the first person to guess correctly what the mistake was or the discrepancy is and the first person to do so will win a dab to death mystery prize pack so send in your uh, your guesses let, let me know what you think it is what did i uh make a mistake on what did i uh fudge the numbers with so or fudge the numbers on so to speak Uh, but yeah, so as far as what I'm actually burning on, this thing's fucking massive. It is the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, the fruit. Well, it's by fruit. The brand is, anyway. Uh, <coughs> I'm doing a terrible job of introducing them, I'm sorry. <coughs> oh, Jesus, this thing's gonna be a fucking monster to get through. So it is a uh, three and a half gram uh, infused pre-roll. Uh, it comes in at around 46% total THC, I believe, if I remember correctly, and about 50% total cannabinoids overall. Uh, so this thing definitely will do the job. Fruits, the eighth wonder, is a marvel of the pre-roll world. The eighth wonder is made from the best plants on Earth. The eighth wonder is naturally infused, solvent-free, using only the highest cannabis and cannabis oil to... Using only the highest cannabis and cannabis oil. Highest what? 
just the highest. It's the highest weed there is, man. You can't be any higher than this weed, dog. Anyway, uh, no, but it's uh, so it's the highest cannabis and cannabis oil to create a one of a kind, incredibly smooth, pleasurable, long lasting wonder. Daytime, nighttime, party time, or anytime, the eighth wonder has arrived. Enjoy fruit, and that's F R O O T. Um, you can find them at fruitbrand.com, or if you want to find them on Instagram, it's just at fruitbrand. And that's F-R-O-O-T, brand. So, <sighs> that was a lot to get out. I feel like uh, I'm all out of breath now. All right. Oh, and uh, I picked this up from Canacar Delivery Service in the Sacramento area. So if you uh, happen to be around here. and Actually, I was really surprised with the, the uh, delivery time. Like, it was super fast. Uh, it was towards the end of the day, too. So, you know, generally, a lot of delivery services are super slammed at that time. And it can take a couple of hours to get your delivery sometimes. This was really fast. Like, I was shocked. And uh, so, you know, I gave the guy a pretty good tip. And I always tip your, your delivery drivers, man. Like, it's just, it's just nice. It's a nice thing to do. They're getting you high. I mean, you paid for the shit to get high off of, but, like, they're helping you get high, man. Especially if you're a lazy-ass, antisocial person that doesn't want to leave your house, like I am. Anyway, this thing's kind of hard to smoke, though, because, like, it's so narrow at the base of the cone, and the weight of this thing is so heavy that, like, while you're smoking it, you gotta kind of support it. Or else it's gonna collapse. <coughs> so my honest opinions for <coughs> maybe this is just an old one might be a little stale it uh I don't know about that incredibly smooth part of your product description just just saying like I said it could just be a little old and a little dry but then again, when you're buying a three and a half gram pre-roll for $25, you got to kind of expect that it's going to taste like a three and a half gram pre-roll for $25. Oh, <coughs> Jesus. All right. I guess I should get into this. Now, as I mentioned, oh fuck! This week's urban legend first appeared when Kevin Manis, a writer and owner of a furniture refurbishing business in Portland, Oregon, posted an item for sale on the auction site eBay on January thirtieth, two thousand four. In the rather lengthy and slightly disturbing description of the item, Kevin tells the story of how he came to obtain a wine cabinet from the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. He then goes on to describe the series of strange and spooky events that begin to happen 
after purchasing and opening said cabinet. Manis claimed that the item contained a dibbik, which is a malicious spirit from Jewish mythology, and that anyone who opened the box would begin to suffer the same misfortunes and mysteries that he had. So join me now as we burn this urban and find out what's in the box! The Dybbuk box itself has never been mentioned anywhere in history, or so Mr. Manis very boldly claims. He even stated that he will pay $100,000 to anyone who finds mention of a Dybbuk box prior to his eBay posting, as well as tattooing their name on his face. And trust and believe, like, the first thing I did when I found that was, like, I started digging. I looked everywhere. No mention. The guy's right. But first, let's take a moment to look at exactly what a Dybbuk is. In Jewish mythology, a Dybbuk is a malicious spirit that attaches itself to a person, supposedly until it accomplishes some goal or unfinished business, at which point the Dybbuk will leave the host. At other times, the Dybbuk will only leave the person it has latched itself onto after an exorcism has been performed. In fact, Dybbuk is an abbreviation of and I'm going to attempt to do my best here, but it's an abbreviation of Dibik me rua ra'a, which translates to a cleavage of an evil spirit. We first see mention of the Dibik during the 16th century in a number of writings. Mainstream scholars mostly ignored the topic, however, until a Jewish author and playwright by the name of S. Ansky wrote a play titled The Dibik. Ansky's play was about a young bride-to-be who had been possessed by the spirit of the man she was meant to marry before her father broke a marriage agreement. This popularized the concept of spiritual possession in literary circles, as most stories of possession up until this point were of demonic possession. I don't know if I'd ever want to be possessed, but I think it'd be kind of cool to see somebody that was possessed, you know? (coughs) Demonic or otherwise, (coughs) really. (coughs) Oh, shit. (coughs) Like, either one. I'd be be down to see it. Just just to see it. Just to say I seen it, you know? Like, I seen it. I seen it with my own two eyes. (coughs) Oh, fuck. Woo! Many of these stories were used to encourage believers, especially younger ones, to maintain their orthodox beliefs and behave accordingly. They even said that something as simple as questioning whether Moses crossed the Red Sea or not was enough to make you vulnerable to Dybbuk possession. So it's kind of like just the boogeyman, you know, like, or Krampus, you know. Tell the kids that this guy will come and throw you in a sack and beat you with a stick. Makes them behave a little bit better than, oh, he'll give you some coal. Looking at you, Santa. Little bitch. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why. I guess I have some unresolved childhood issues with Santa. Moving on. Dibbics are most often male spirits that possess young women, usually on the eve of their wedding and strangely, most often, by entering the woman through their vaginas. 
And uh, this was seen in Ansky's play, you know, as well. So <laughs> I guess we uh, guess we know it's in the box after all. The Dybbuk has made several appearances, either directly or indirectly, in film as well. Aside from the classic Yiddish film, The Dybbuk in 1937, which is based on Ansky's play, The Dybbuk has appeared as the focus of the films The Unborn in 2009, The Possession in 2012, and Ezra in 2017. So now that we've taken a look at where The Dybbuk comes from, Let's return to our tale at hand and talk about how Kevin Manis used the legend of the Dybbuk to try and sell a mysterious box. What's in the fucking box? According to the original posting on eBay, Manis purchased an old wine cabinet, along with some other small items, from the estate sale of a woman who had died at the ripe old age of 103. Way older than I planned to stick around. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't see the appeal in living to be that old. Like you literally can't do anything for yourself. Can't remember anything. Like I have trouble remembering shit now. And I mean, I I know that like some of that might be the weed. Not here to blame the plant, you know. But um. I'm pretty forgetful, so I already know that when I get older, it's going to be an issue, but anyway, moving on again. Upon talking to the woman's granddaughter, he learned that the woman had been a survivor of the Holocaust and had brought only three things with her when she came to America. One of those three items was the very wine cabinet that he ended up purchasing. When she saw that he had purchased the cabinet, she said, Ah, I see that you bought the Dybbuk box. At which point he inquired as to what exactly a Dybbuk box was. She informed him that her grandmother had always kept the box hidden away out of reach, and had warned her that it must never be opened. (coughs) Um, But yeah, basically that was all that she knew about the box, and so she had honored her grandmother's wishes and never opened it. Not wanting to separate the young woman from such a special family keepsake, Kevin offered to return the cabinet. He even went so far as to offer the young woman the money he had paid her and the wine cabinet. Despite all of this, she flat out refused him and insisted that he take the Dybbuk box with him. Kevin thought this was strange, for sure, but he took the box and some other small purchases and he returned home. Kevin's eBay post then goes on to tell of all the strange things that began to happen once he brought the box back with him, beginning with an incident that caused one of his longtime employees to abandon their job and never return. As I had mentioned earlier, Kevin Manis owned a furniture refinishing business at the time, so he stored the cabinet in the basement of his store, which doubled as his workshop. 
His plan was to restore the box to its former glory and give it to his mother as a gift. Kevin opened up his shop for the day and then went to run some errands, entrusting the care of the store to a young woman who had worked for him for a couple of years, as he often did. About a half an hour later, he received a frantic phone call from the employee. She was clearly in a state of panic and was yelling about how there was an intruder in the store who was screaming and smashing things. She also informed him that the intruder had locked the security gates and the emergency exit, locking them both in the store. Kevin raced back to the store, unlocked the gates, and found his employee cowering on the floor in a corner of his office. But there was no sign so far of the mysterious intruder. After making sure that his employee was okay, Kevin went down to the basement to search for the source of the chaos that had destroyed the store. It only made sense to him for the intruder to still be in the store, as the iron security gates and emergency exit were still locked when he had arrived, indicating that no one had left the building. As he descended the stairs into the basement, he was hit by the overwhelming stench of cat urine despite the fact that there had never been any cats in the building. And when he went to turn on the lights, he discovered that every light in the basement had been broken. And I mean like every light, even like the boxes of spare lights they had every, like stocked up, all of them, every single light bulb. Getting close to about halfway through this uh, fruit eighth wonder pre roll. <coughs> yeah, it's a little, little rough. Uh, you know, a little harsh. But like I said, that could just be it. Could just be an older one. <coughs> but overall, I'm loving the uh, the high. Feeling pretty good. You know, like I said, like I've mentioned, it, you know, the only time I really smoke flour is actually when I'm recording these uh, Burning Urban episodes. Other than that, I'm primarily a dabber, obviously, which is why I started Dab to Death, you know, because combines two of my favorite things. Whew. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty fucking high, and I'm only like like I said, I'm getting to halfway through this thing. I'm not halfway through it. I'm about I'm close to halfway. So, like I said, I, don't even, I think I'm going to finish this episode. Oh, yeah. I only have, like, two slides. I'm definitely going to finish this episode before, whew, before this. So, yeah. Good investment for $25, if you ask me. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in California and you really want to just find a cheap but efficient or, like, effective pre-roll, you should check out the 8th Wonder. It uh definitely does the job. I'll check back in at the end of the episode, but like I said, that's only two more slides. So. Yeah, anyway, where were we? Ah, yes. Aside from the broken glass, some scattered tools, and the wine cabinet, the basement was also empty. Whoever this mysterious madman was, he had seemingly vanished. When he returned upstairs, he found that his employee had also disappeared from the shop. She would actually never return, 
and according to Kevin, she refuses to talk about what happened in the shop to this very day. This was only the first of a series of unfortunate events that supposedly took place after Kevin bought the Dybbuk box. You can actually still read the original eBay posting if you want the whole story, which you will be able to find a link to in the episode description. It wasn't long before the story of the Dybbuk box spread. With each new owner of the box came new stories of haunting and horrifying events. One of the box's owners even made a website dedicated to documenting claims about the cabinet called dibbukbox.com. That's uh, D-I-B-B-U-K-B-O-X dot com. So if you, you know, are interested in checking it out, uh, you can also find that linked in the episode description, though. So I guess I didn't need to spell it for you. But hey, I'm a little high, so... In 2012, Jason Haxton, the previously mentioned owner and website creator, gave the box to Ghost Adventures star Zach Baggins, who put it... Baggins? Baggins? Is he a fucking hobbit? So yeah, so he gave the box to uh, Zach Baggins to put it on display in his museum. This creepy cabinet has actually even had a brush with a famous rapper, believe it or not. In 2018, Post Malone had an encounter with the box and claimed that it spurred a spate of bad luck for him. Not everyone bought into the story of the Dybbuk box, however, and skeptics were quick to question the authenticity of the story's claims. Author and skeptic Brian Dunning investigated the Dybbuk box legend in 2014 and concluded that the idea of the box being inhabited by a Dybbuk was purely nonsense, based simply on what a Dybbuk is, and that's a spirit that possesses the body of another person, not an inanimate object. As it turns out, Dunning was right to be skeptical, because in 2021, Manis finally revealed that the entire story had been created by him and that everything about it was completely fabricated, leading me to believe that all of the encounters were nothing more than the effect of a placebo. You know, if you t convince somebody that something is cursed or haunted, then they're more likely to believe it or they will, you know, attribute anything bad in that, that happens in their life now to that cursed item. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strong psychological effect. So... Yeah, so basically the guy, the guy was just a giant bullshit artist. B-U-L-L-S-H-I-T. New word. A-R-T-I-S-T. Spells bullshit artist. I say again, bullshit artist. So yeah, with the guy just being a giant bullshit artist, you know, in, in an interview, about, or when he, like, revealed that he had created the whole thing, he basically said, you know, I'm a creative writer in addition to being a furniture refinisher. This guy is just a man of many talents, you know? Anyway, so he fucking... Fuck, I lost my train of thought, man. Oh, but yeah, no, so he's, like, talking about how he's like, oh, I'm a creative writer, and, you know... I just wanted to come up with this story that would, like, 
create this modern urban legend like you know he basically wanted to create his own urban legend so he knew what he was doing you know in 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 creating this this tale you know coming up with the the brilliant backstory of the the holocaust survivor bringing this wine cabinet that supposedly holds the spirit of a dybbuk you know and it's like this whole like elaborate scheme and like all of the items that were inside the box like i forgot to even talk about that like when he opened he quote unquote opened the box he found like there was like what an old penny and then or like some kind of old coin and then like fucking a bunch of random shit like a lock of hair and you know just like a stone and then there was these these words carved into the back and i i should have written it down but i didn't cuz i was probably high so, speaking of, I got to keep this from going out. <coughs> so, the very items that he claimed were what made the box authentic were items that he put in there himself. The words were words that he carved himself. Like the whole thing was just an elaborate, like an elaborate con, which I I have to question: Is it still on display in Homeboy's museum? Hmm. Yeah, I can't find anything about if it's still on display. But apparently, during quarantine, Mister Zach Baggins uh, decided to open the Dybbuk box. And confront the demonic spirit inside. Actually, it's not demonic, sorry. And confront the disembodied spirit inside. I'm gonna assume he probably claimed all kinds of weird shit happened. Which makes me wonder, was he just doing that because, you know, he wants the the ratings or the, the, the views or whatever the fuck it is, you know, he's got going for him. So is he just bullshit artist too? I don't know. So I decided to just pre-select the... uh, Yeah, I just decided to pre-select the next episode for uh, the Bernie Urban episodes because there's a lot of like really small, random like urban legends in that book that probably wouldn't make the most interesting episode. Or you can't really find a lot of information on. So I've decided to just go through and select ones that I think would be good and interesting. And uh, or that I'm curious about myself. You know, so uh, next week's Burning Urban is going to be I Believe in Mary Bell. Which you may be more familiar with by the name of Bloody Mary. That's right. You know it. We all know it. We remember standing in front of a mirror in elementary school or middle school. Hell, even maybe even high school. And you're just sitting there going, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And nothing ever fucking happened. Unless you died because of it, then apologies. I'm sorry. Thank you for still listening. Speaking of thank you for listening... (laughs) I would like to thank you all for listening to this week's Burning Urban, and you can tune in, like I said, next week for I Believe in Mary Bell, 
and stay tuned for Dab to Death on Thursday, which will be the uh, Michigan-focused episode, which is uh, Michigan's top five killers, serial killers or spree killers or whatever have you. Uh, We're going by body count here, so it's a numbers game, really. But yeah, so that's going to be, like like I said, the top five murderers in Michigan, and it'll be featuring a promo spot for the Michigan Murders and Music podcast. If you have any feedback about this week's episode, or you can send it to feedback at dabtodeath.com, or you can just send me a message on any of the social medias at dab to death. Unless you're on Instagram, then it's at dab to death podcast. Until next time, keep burning the urban.